wake up! The games are over, and it's time for our guys to break it all down. After all, it's Sunday. What else do you have to do? Nothing. This is your Morning After Podcast with Hanson Scotty and Lloyd Cole on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Sunday morning, everybody. It's another edition of the Morning After Podcast, and boy, do we have some stuff to talk about. BYU gets the win. Utah gets the win. Utah State does not get the win, but may have found their future quarterback. And we may even touch on a crazy game in Boulder with Colorado and Colorado State. But first, (laughs) let's go to uh, lovely Arkansas, shall we? Hans Olsen joining us from his hotel room. Hans, how are you, my friend? Well, finally got a couple hours of sleep. I am really uh, still dizzy. I don't know where I'm at exactly. <clears throat> it, that game went forever. the The post game was kind of long and extended, but <laughs> man, alive! The energy that was coming out of that game and that stadium—that's about as fun of a venue and a, a moment that that I've been a part of. All right, so let's get to it. You're out of the gate, 14 nothing, bam, bam, just like that. I was talking to our boss, Nate Dowdle, and he and I were both like, what is going on? Come on, BYU, you got to help us out here a little bit. we got a long football season. You can't lay an egg in Arkansas. And before you know it, it's 21-14, and BYU withstands the haymaker. And, of course, Arkansas would throw a couple more. But uh, did, what were your thoughts when, when they were down 14 nothing right out of the gate? It it's that classic game that you take three, it was three plays that led to them being up 14, nothing. And during the broadcast, I said, I'm not worried. Like this is not the worry point because you can sit in the huddle and look at each other and say, it's three plays. You take those three plays, the punt return for a touchdown, the big breaking run that got past a safety that BYU made some changes at safety right after that. They're like, no, we're not, we're not going to mess with this. And you take away those three plays and you're back to square one. So you can calm your nerves and you can say, Hey, we can get back into this. They're not driving methodically on us. They're not absolutely pounding us. We just have to try to, get this momentum back in our direction and they were able to do that and overcome a terrible start but it was rough it was rough to start for sure lloyd you wrapped up the utah post game at that point and watching this thing as well were, were you thinking byu is in trouble yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not. They, I'm well, not going to lie. Hands, I mean, I, hands is better than uh, you know. Hands knows the game better than you and I. And I was thinking, oh boy, we're in for a long day here. My my first reaction right when 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 well when they scored that first touch, and I was like, I even tweeted. I said SEC speed. That was all I said. SEC speed. I was like, and in fact, I was sitting there watching it with Jay Catch there in the studio, and then all of a sudden they had the punt return where he gashes right up the middle. 
uh, and and he was gone, and I was like. And I and I then I I, I I tweeted out rinse and repeat. I was like, this game. I, me and him looked at each other, and we both said, this game's over. There's no way this. They're, they're not going to be able to keep up with this speed. And all of a sudden, you know, they they got some stuff going, and 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 Jay Hill's defense was, you know, I mean, they gave up points, obviously, but that you could you could tell the difference. It, it, it changed the. You know, field. Uh, it changed the the field advantage. You know, in favor of, of BYU at times. Like his imprint on on the game was 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 noticeable. Hands. There's so many different elements to talk about, but uh, there was a lot of conversations earlier in the week about how LJ Martin was going to be the starting quarterback and. One of the things Aaron Roderick said was, well, the kid breaks tackles. He keeps plays alive. Um, he doesn't go down with first contact. And you saw LJ on display in this game. And, you know, that first half performance he put on was was really, really impressive. And this young man's got himself a bright future. First half was good. He had that big breakaway play that was really big for BYU, get the momentum going. Get the BYU fans. There was probably seven thousand BYU fans in the stadium. <clears throat> be my guess. <clears throat> they had a good corner. It looked like uh, a good corner attention uh, of, yeah. of that stadium. I was like, well, that's a good showing. Yeah, it was. It was a really good showing, and they got really loud. And it, LJ was really good, but it's still not as much rushing yards. It was the rushing carries. We talked about it. What do we want to see? Over 20, right? And he hit 23 or 24. So it was the carries, but the yards just weren't there consistently. Uh, I think that it'll continue to improve, but they felt like they could throw the ball again. Here's what's crazy, guys. So you got Keanu Hill back, and you got Cody Epps back. They do not log a single reception between the two of them. Epps should have had one, but he dropped it. Yeah, that was a bad drop. Yeah, it was you know, he threw it a little bit behind him, but you can't you can't drop that, but you know, he did. But it's crazy. It's crazy to me to think that they came out of this thing with a win and neither one of those guys had a reception. Yeah. Yeah. Parker Kingston was awesome. He had a receiving touchdown, and then he threw a touchdown on a throwback to Deion Smith. So that that kind of reverse toss to Parker Kingston and Parker Kingston throwing all the way back across the field, that was another big momentum grab just in the first half to try to get things back in BYU's direction. It was the classic Aaron Roderick, man. He's got such a good feel for when he can get in there and do something dramatic. So – that was a really big moment. And LJ is going to keep coming along. He had some good moments. I just think he just needs to continue to grow. He's He is the rightful owner of the starting position. It just needs – that run game needs to get better still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, overall, um, you know, Slovis – you know, his yards are going to carry, you know, obviously with sacks and things like that, that that cuts down on yardage a bit. But, uh, you know, LJ Martin, 3.3 yards a carry. Smith, 2.5 yards a carry. Um, those are your running backs. Kingston had a carry, you know, and Epps from, you know, the wide receiver position. But, you know, overall, and Aiden Robbins, you know, look, I, I think I think we might be able to write him off now. I, I think he's certainly fallen out of favor with his coaching staff. But 
between Martin and, and Smith, you're looking at about 2.8 yards a carry. Um, certainly not going to get it done. And, and frankly, and I know it's never fair to do this because he still ran for it, but if you take LJ Martin's 45 yard run out of it, then things look quite a bit different. So it'll be another talking point that we'll spend the week talking about in terms of BYU's rushing attack. But I want to focus on Keaton Slovis a little bit because if you look at the numbers, they're not great. Uh, 13 to 25 for, you know, a buck 67 and, and two touchdowns, but he didn't turn the ball over. Um, and, you know, he didn't make the big mistake out there. So if you're grading Keaton Slovis after this game, where, where are you putting him at? Well, and like Lloyd said, there were a couple of drop passes. He did airmail a pass or two. Where am I putting Keaton? I would put Keaton on a pretty high pedestal coming out of this game because there were moments that you really needed his vision and you needed his touch. Did you guys see the two most incredible catches that I've seen so far this season? Well, Chase Roberts, yeah. I think, is number one on the ESPN. And Isaac Rex. Yep. And then the Isaac Rex catch. Yep. Were those as good on the broadcast as they were in life? Uh, well, yes, yes. Uh, the Chase Roberts one in particular was ridiculous. And obviously, essentially the game-winning touchdown, too. I mean, the kid only had two catches for 12 yards, but none bigger than that touchdown to put him up 38-31. And you watch that thing over and over, and you're just like, that. that's just thing's a thing of beauty. But Isaac Rex was just a man. But, yeah, that one catch he had was ridiculous. Let's just say every everybody from the age of probably, I don't know, 18 to, we'll just say maybe 50, will be having that Chase Roberts as their uh, catch, as their Avi, uh, probably going forward. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it was that amazing of a catch. Yeah, it really was. It felt like that throw was so off that there's no way he's getting to it. And somehow he snagged that. And pulled it out, and it wasn't just the catch; it was the critical moment of it. So yeah, oh yeah, he said that yeah. that was the that was the winning catch. Yeah, and I mean, I need to go look. I um, I'm, I got to go through, and you know, usually I'll I'll rewatch the game and go through the play by play and and look at everything a little bit more closer before we hop on the air. Uh, but I want to say that was all right. Second and goal. For some reason, I thought it was third and goal, but it was second and goal at the seven yard line. So, I mean, they still had a couple more plays, but my goodness, to get to that point and to be able to um, throw that thing up where, you know, a field goal still gives you the lead, but you don't want to leave it to a field goal. You want Arkansas to have to press, which they did, and uh, were unable to really generate much offense. On the next drive, they go three and out, BYU punts, and the next drive they go three and then end up with the fumble. And so... You look at that, I mean, Arkansas just never could generate anything after that touchdown, and it just took the wind out of the cells of all those fans there in uh, in Arkansas. So then it comes down to what Lloyd mentioned, the Jay Hill defense. Oh, yeah. And yeah. gentlemen, gentlemen, BYU produced actual one-on-one pressure. Tyler Batty with a big sack off a one-on-one beat, just a nice speed rush with an inside jab. And a big sack. You had pressures from Banya. You had a Jackson Cravens pressure, a John Nelson pressure. You had an AJ Vampachong sack. You had, it was a crazy mix because KJ Jefferson had the ball with about a minute 40 
left to go down that field and get the tying touchdown. And he could not sit in the pocket for more than a second and a half, two seconds. And BYU was getting the pressures on him. So that was a big Jay Hill influence. And then, guys, Jay Hill made some great defensive moves, going two deeps, running some different press looks. Uh, Eddie Heckard was a man out there. Eddie Heckard had one of his best his Eddie's his best game. Um, his stat line was crazy: forced fumble, sack. Uh, I think he had six tackles, two TFLs. Eddie Heckard's stat line was awesome, and they got pressure off of a four man rush, which Scotty, you yeah. know. The end of that game, the only thing you can do is rush four. And if you can't pressure by rushing those four, you don't got a chance. And so I was a little bit nervous about that. I was like, I don't know if they're going to be able to pressure them. This thing might get tied up and we might have an overtime situation. Well, and I almost Maybe it was hot. I almost texted you in the first half hands because they weren't getting pressure with four. And, and there was, you know, through the second quarter when both – offenses were kind of mowing up and down the field a little bit and I'm like and I'm and I thought about texting him like they're not getting pressure hands this could be a problem and uh and then I'm glad I didn't because well first off I didn't want to bug you during the broadcast and then uh and then during the third and fourth quarter I'm watching I'm like oh I'm glad I didn't send that text because this team is absolutely getting there uh and and it's something that we just haven't seen from a BYU team in a really, really long time. And and not just getting there, but getting there in pressure situations when you know you have to disrupt that quarterback and you got a super athletic dude dancing around the background and they were able to get it done. I mean, when was the last time we saw four sacks in a game from from a deep from a BYU defense. I mean, maybe it was against uh, some sort of FCS opponent early in the season or something where they were able to do it. But I it, it, I don't remember the last time. It's it's probably been a little bit. I don't remember the last time. I mean, that's been our big talking point. Was what what they what did they have last year all, as a as a team? Fifteen, something like that. Fifteen sacks. Thirteen. I don't exactly what the net. Oh no, it was fifteen. 13. Yeah, you're right. Was it fifteen? It was fifteen sacks. I mean, uh, they did they not got four in one game. Uh, actually, they did have four against Baylor last year. That surprised me. Um, yeah, that does. You go to 2021. They had four in a game against Arizona, the opening game of the season, and uh, they had five against Navy. That doesn't count. That Navy team was trash uh, in 2020. But yeah, it's been a minute for sure. Okay, Scotty, we are pointing out that it happens like all the time. Okay. Lloyd, I'm just trying. You asked the question. When was the last time they got four sacks? Just kidding. It's early. It's early. I haven't had my coffee yet. I need to get, I, you know, I didn't even have time to get coffee. You know, hands. So, you know what I'm this, sorry. You know what this calls for. Yeah. Yeah. Can you put the sounder in later? No, that's right there. Did you guys not hear it? No. There you oh. go. Well, here it is again. <laughs> Lloyd, when you get the full mix, it'll be on there. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> there were so many amazing moments, you guys. The pressures were great. There was a... 
fake field goal called, guys, that could have ended up being one of the most terrible, ridiculous moments in BYU football history. They snap it back. Rico gets it, stands up, starts rushing, and goes nowhere. And the fake field goal is stopped when they could have got a critical three points. And there was a flag near the back part of the end zone. The official threw the flag on a delay of game, which is a pre-snap penalty. So it erased the play. It bumped them back five yards and they were able to kick the field goal and put the three points on. But it was nearly a failed fake field goal that lost a scoring opportunity, but it did lead to three points and got them in that position that they could tie it. One of these days, they'll convert a fake. Hey, Lloyd, when's the last time they converted a fake field goal or a punt? It's I don't. It's been years, probably. Would be my guess. Probably has never happened. Go ahead, Scotty. Name about seven times that it's happened now in the last two years. Well, well actually, Aliva Hifo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how many guys. how many fake field goals can you fit in that rv oh at least 40 actually no just at two. least 40 <laughs> there, there were three times where tyler algier did it in a quarter <laughs> oh, yeah. great Hey, uh, let's. Uh, so we'll we'll spend a ton of time tomorrow breaking this game down. Uh, you'll hear from uh, Kalani Satake. You'll also hear from uh, uh, Kyle Whittingham. All right, Lloyd. Now's your time to shine. Utes with a. Uh, I don't know. Do you say convincing win? Where Where, where are your thoughts on this one? I. Uh, All right, you guys, back away from the mics. Let me go. It's time for me to cook. This horse wants to run. Let's go. This horse wants to run. Not, you know what? Like, uh, it's the thing is, it was a, you know, it was funny. We started the, me and Frank did that 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 pregame, and I thought to, to, thought to myself, Utah's going to come out, and I thought they would come out and have their way. I thought it'd be like fifty five to ten. I yeah. thought they'd dominate, and it was a slow start. Slow start in the in the first half. They, they, you know, when the, when they had the uh, the first string uh, offensive line in there, they finally got they were able to run the ball in that second half. But it, but it was the defense. It was the story of the defense, and, and and the offense didn't. I mean, they they had 231 yards rushing, which I thought was it was. I mean, Nate Johnson had 71 yards rushing, but it was it was it was kind of deceptive. It didn't it didn't feel like they ran the ball quite that uh, quite that efficient. Um, you know, Nate Johnson was 13 of 21, 193 yards and a touchdown, but it was just it, it left more to be. I mean, and, and, and you know this, hands they don't and, and Scotty they don't want to give you know do a bunch of they want to keep it vanilla. Uh, against a team like Weber State, especially going into Pac-12 play, and it it's it felt very vanilla. But I've got a feeling, by the way, I don't know if we're going to be seeing Cam Cam Rising. I think he might be out a little bit longer than we're thinking. Is that and Frank Dolce and Frank Dolce is kind of thinking kind of the same thing a little bit? But he's in his street clothes, and and I don't know when I and, and watch him sh- show up against UCLA and play. But it, I don't I don't know I don't I don't think he's gonna I don't think he's I don't think he's ready. That's big. If that's true, because we've all been looking at UCLA and all summer long, UCLA season started UCLA. It's going to be UCLA. That's yeah. when he's getting back. And if it's not UCLA, 
Um, and no, no disrespect to Nate Johnson. He's he's done some good things and won you that Baylor game. He's but, young. He's a redshirt freshman. But so but, he and he looked like a redshirt freshman, by the way. But you you could have some issues there, hands if if he doesn't go in that game. Oh baby, don't let that be an option. That that is going to be a really tough game, and I. I'm I'm actually a little bit shocked we didn't get to see him against Weber State. But Lloyd, you were saying Frank feels like it might be a little while. Yeah, for Frank's Frank's feeling like uh, I mean he was for sure thinking as we were in that pregame that yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna see him and then sure you know sure enough he was he was in street clothes and we didn't see him and you know but the thing is like. So you got you got UC, you open up Pac-12 play at home against UCLA and and UCLA they they haven't really they haven't they haven't really been tested they haven't played anybody you know they so that might be able to be one you, you can sneak out but guess what you still have coming up if you don't get them back by by Oregon State I mean there's a good chance you could be be 0 and 2 in Pac-12 play pretty quickly if like I mean you saw how that I mean and I and I know you've you've been uh, um, you, Scotty, you you watched that game. Like it just, it didn't feel, uh, it didn't feel like that offense with Nate Johnson. Like there was just there was no. They need they need Cam Rising. Well, like yeah, they, I mean, no, they're extremely they're not healthy. And and Kyle Whittingham said in the post game that they they've still got like fifteen or sixteen players that are waiting to get back. And it's like the team. I know that's what they really need to get it back, but that just there's no that offense just has no flow. Like it's I I, I and I don't know if it's just because they're keeping it super vanilla or what, but you would think they you might see a little something for, from the offense, and it's just there it just wasn't there. Well, and correct me if and I'm that's wrong. coming against the team that they. I mean, they scored thirty-one points. Yeah, but you know, but, three but, and zero going into Pac-12, but play. But it's I don't know. It just doesn't. But they get, they're going to have to find, find, figure something out. But that offense only put up twenty-four. Seven was on a pick-six, correct? Right. Yep. Lander Barton had a pick-six. So yes, twenty-four. Twenty-four points. So you put twenty-four offensive offense. points up against Weber State, who again, Weber State's a good team. Weber State, one of your better FCS teams, but. It's an FCS team, and it's a team that you should beat fairly easily. And 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 look, at no point in this game, hands did I ever feel like this game was ever in doubt. But it just never felt like no. Utah was ever, you know, Utah never really put the foot on the gas. And again, you got Lander Barton as the pick six, but other than that, that offense just kind of looked like they were stuck in mud most of the day. It feels like one of those. Uh, it feels real quick. It feels like one of those years that we've seen where Utah has, and trust me, they got playmakers on that offense. Oh yeah, but it they, it needs Cam Rising is the, is that that gas that really makes it go. But it feels like it's one of those Utah teams that has that unbelievable defense, like a really good defense. But it's going to have that a lackluster offense if it doesn't get their captain back. Yeah. And and I'm sure we'll get tweets saying, "Hey, look, they you know they had over 400 yards of offense, 231 yards on the ground." I mean, you I can know. throw all the stats you want, but at the end of the day, you only had 24 offensive points. Uh, you know, how many yeah. coaches always come on the air and say, "We don't care how many yards we have; we care about points." And I just, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just, uh, I think that there's cause for concern here. Um, this was your get right game, 
and I don't know how much Utah got right here. Well, how how did they divvy up the running? Let me kind of break down what they did with the running backs for me. So Nate Johnson led the team with 71 yards. He had 16 carries, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Jaquindon Jackson, 9 carries, 69 yards. Uh, Jalen Glover, 12 carries, 47. Chris Curry, 6 for 23. And then, you know. You didn't see Chris Curry until, by the way, until yeah, the third quarter. Yeah. Like, I was surprised. I thought you might see him a little bit earlier. But, then, yeah, you didn't get him until the third quarter. And then I'm not going to count Daniel Wood or Charlie Vincent and Joey Cheek. Um, so yeah, so your big guns, Jaquindon with nine, Glover with 12, Curry with six. And the three of those combined went for, let's see, 70, about 139, 140 yards. Well, I would criticize it, but that it's very, it's way better than what BYU did against Southern Utah. Yeah. And that's, well, okay, and this is, Hans, you and I have this conversation all the time. I mean, yeah. we can nitpick like crazy because we have high expectations for them. I mean, that's, that's why, that's why we, we, we hold teams to a higher standard is that because we expect, if you're the 12th team in the country, you need to play better than that. You need to beat Weber State by more than that. And so that's why I think that we, we we analyze and 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 I'm sure Utah fans are like you being really hard on these guys. Well, yeah, because we expect more from them. We expect this team to challenge for a Pac-12, Pac-12 championship contender. team. Yeah. You're a two-time defending champ. You, you know, your own coach said this is the most talented team I've ever had here at the University of Utah. And and look, there's rumor, you know, there's murmurings of a college football playoff team, but two things are going to have to happen for that to happen. Number 1, you got to get right at quarterback and number 2, the offense has got to perform better. And those two are probably related. When Cam Rising comes back, um, this offense probably takes another step. When Dalton, or not Dalton, well, if Dalton Kincaid came back, that'd be great. Uh, if Brand Keithy, when Brand Keithy comes back, this offense will take another step. So, you know, I know they're injury related, but, but still, like, I understand if Utah fans are getting a little antsy about what they've seen over the last couple of games. And by the way, Brant Keithy could very well be out further than than Cam Rising. Jeez, Lloyd, man. you're a little ray of sunshine today, man. I know. I'm just saying. It's just like there's just I don't know. There's uh, he could be a, he could be a ways out. But they put. I mean, they put the, the thing is they put. Uh, maybe this is their get right game where they said let's get some players healthy i mean they put out this injury you know graphic on the game that said you know all these players it was going to be out cam rising brant keithy johnny maia conor o'toole J- travis broaden junior tafuna uh who came, came back against baylor but sat out this one you had cole becker the kicker uh who who missed the game with an injury uh and devon vele also missed so you had oh, yeah. some there's some new, there's a couple of new names that was on there that you, you didn't expect to be on there. I'm just not worried about it at all. After what I saw BYU do against Southern Utah and Sammy Houston, and then beating an SEC team on their field and looking like they belonged and having a defense really look like they belong, I imagine UCLA is Utah's going to be getting to work for UCLA, and we're just going to see a full gambit. You got to press him back a little bit. I'm just bummed about the Cam Rising news. If that is the case, if he's out for another extended period of time, but 
So you're not worried uh, if 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 Cam's not back, you're still not worried about UCLA. And by the way, nothing nothing reported on you know on Cam. It's just that's just a, that's just like a gut feeling. Lloyd's got a gut feeling. Yeah, and watch but, that gut feeling be completely wrong. So you just got a little Rodney Hood gastric distress. <laughs> it's happened before. You know, hands may have had that right before we hopped on the air or hopped on this podcast. Hey, I, hands! I, you know what? You, you, you know this game. Yeah, I, I trust. I trust what you. You're, you I trust your feelings on this. Hey, we. I, I joked about your. You know, you had a, a a strong feeling. You guys had a strong feeling about this BYU going into Arkansas. I wasn't quite seeing that exactly. And guess what? They did. They went in uh, to Arkansas and and picked up a win on the road. So you, you know, I, I trust your feelings on this type of stuff better than than I would myself. I think that UCLA is going to UCLA is going to be a heck of a match for him. But you've got that freshman Dante Moore who's been leading the pack there. They've pushed the, most of the carries to Anthony Adkins. He's doing okay. I, I don't know who they just played. I, I think it was at NCCU. I can't remember Carolina Coast Central or something like that. Yeah, some stupid garbage yeah. team. But I don't like. I'm not impressed by the San Diego State win. I'm not impressed no, by the no. coast. Of, they they beat Coastal Carolina twenty seven thirteen. They beat San Diego thirty five ten. I'm not impressed. I I can't remember what the score was with the NC Central thing, but I think it was a, a pretty good whooping. I am not impressed by UCLA at this point. And we'll do our film study, and we'll jump into it on a daily basis on the show. And as the week kind of progresses, I'll have more and more take on it. But, yeah, Scotty, even without Cam Rising out there, I think there's some Nate Johnson stuff that you can do to to possibly get this thing rolling. I do need to fully admit, as you guys know, i just busy with pregame and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am going to be watching the – I'm going to be watching the game today uh, and – so I can give a little bit better take. I don't. I'm not overly worried with it. With what I saw against Baylor and Florida, I think you're going to be able to hold up against UCLA. I'll be interested to to see your film study because the, the feeling I got, you know, from Nate Johnson was just it didn't feel like he went through a lot of his a lot of his reads. Like he was there, he was quick to tuck it and run it. And I have, like I said, you're going against Weaver State, and no disrespect to Weaver State, but I got to imagine you're getting some guys, you know, some guys open. And they they found, you know, they actually had a, you know, Maneer, uh McLean had a, you know, a really nice game, three three catches for like 92 yards, like he had a nice game, uh, in you know, in the absence of Devon Vele. Um, so, but yeah, I, I would be interested to see, you know, what exactly you saw with Nate Johnson. Um, by the way, um, we should probably back up a little bit and and talk a little bit more. Well, not talk, and we we're not going to spend a ton of time on the game, but just recognize the fact that Florida just beat the pants off of uh, Tennessee, <laughs> and so that Florida yeah. win started to look a lot better. I mean they they were up twenty six to seven at halftime, win that game twenty nine sixteen, and Tennessee was eleventh in the country going into that game, and so Florida might be a better team and. Utah beat them with their JV team. So, you know, who's to say they can't yeah. beat UCLA with their JV team as well? So, you know, there, there right. you go. 
Um, a, a, a lousy Florida team, as I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Lloyd. Why, you know, that guy was getting, why, why, what are you was doing, getting man? badgered. You, you know that guy was getting badgered last night, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> he was getting badgered last night. It was funny. Oh, uh, boy. Uh, Hans, you and I talked a little bit about this uh, yesterday. Um, the Utah State Air Force game is on Friday, and I was in Colorado Springs calling that one. Uh, Utah State got roughed up pretty good. They're down 22 nothing right out of the gate. Uh, the uh, To me, the storyline in that game, well, there was a couple things. That Utah State defense just got mauled. Um, and all Air Force did was run dive, 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 dive. They didn't even run need to run pitch. Uh, they didn't need to go crazy with a triple option. They just ran fullback dive, and Utah State couldn't stop it. It was they got manhandled the line of scrimmage about as bad as anything I've seen in a while. Uh, they're down twenty two nothing right out of the gate, and end up losing that game thirty nine twenty one. The story in this game, though, going forward, that I think is going to be fascinating. And I would anticipate that Blake Anderson will make an announcement on Monday. He'll certainly talk to us on Tuesday when he comes on for his weekly conversation. But I, if people have been listening closely, if you're a Utah State fan, you've been listening closely to the show, I've been hinting at the fact that the McKay-Hillstead era was very close to beginning in Logan. Um, it's just Cooper Lagat, love the kid. He's done a lot of great things for Utah State but just had not made the progression that he needed to from last year, taking over the last seven games as a starter, and coming into this year. Uh, just happy feet, not quick decisions, not getting the ball off in time, making poor decisions with where he's going with the ball. And he had a miserable night that first quarter. Had a fumble at his own 11 uh, when he held onto the ball too long. Um, that gave Air Force a short field. They turned that into a touchdown, went up by two scores. And then the one drive he got going, had made two nice throws, and then just stared down a receiver and threw a really bad interception. And after that, he goes to the sideline, and I'm looking at Blake Anderson, and I know it's like, oh, that kid's done. You can tell with the language on the sideline and the body language. And he does not go to Levi Williams. He goes to McKay Hillstead. And while Utah State lost that game, hands for a kid that just was playing for Sky Ridge High School just last year, he came in and he played really well. Now, the defense still couldn't get stops and really couldn't you know, give the offense opportunities to get them back in the game, but he throws for three touchdowns, over 220 yards. Air Force realizes he's a true freshman. They're throwing all kinds of crazy corner blitzes, and, and he takes a couple sacks. Uh, and, and there were some things that he wasn't ready for. But I think this kid's got a really bright future. I've talked a lot about how the coaching staff has fallen in love with him. They think he's the future. And uh, I would imagine uh, afterwards on our postgame show, Blake Anderson said that he's going to take the weekend, look at the film, and then make a decision. But there's no decision. This is It's going to happen. McKay Hillstead's going to be named your starter on Monday. And it'll be interesting. There's a... There's a, there's a kid from your neck of the woods, hands that's uh, probably on his way to doing some really good things. You know, he's such a good kid, such a good kid, and and comes from a great family. And obviously, he has state championships to show. It is his time in high school, well coached. So he's poised. He's ready to take on that kind of role. I'm just curious how 
how many years of eligibility does Cooper have left? Because I'm just wondering, does he jump in the portal now? Uh, I think he's done. Uh, he might. I need to look back on this. He's listed as a senior. I know he was there for the 2019, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. This is his fifth year. I just don't know if he used any eligibility that first year because I he would still have his COVID year. So uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, I don't know if Levi Williams will stick around. Uh, there's some rumblings that he might be looking to pursue other opportunities uh, because he's not been named the starter, but he's got a. Uh, there's some relationships there that would pro- could keep him there at Utah State. If I'm Cooper Lega, I'm probably hitting the portal, but that quarterback room could dry up really quick, and it's always really hard to recruit a quarterback when you give the job to a true freshman and you realize, well, geesh, he's the guy, and he's got a ton of eligibility. Is that somewhere where I really want to go? So. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that that could be difficult. But yeah, I if Cooper, I'll I'll check into that. I'll have an answer for you on Monday uh, as to the eligibility of of next year for uh, Cooper Lega. But I, again, Cooper's a really good kid, and I know you've fallen in love with him. You know his family really well. Um, wrestler, a wrestling state champ, track and field state champ. Uh, he's just a really good kid, but just didn't quite make the progress that he needed to going into this season. So, can imagine being Levi Williams, Lloyd. Like you leave Wyoming, you've got a starting gig, and you leave, and now you can't even get on the field before a kid that just stepped off a high school field. College football is a cruel, cruel world. <laughs> you gotta, you know what? You gotta. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a bummer deal. But you know what? You, if you're if you're a, uh, an Aggie fan, you know when you get you see a, a young kid like this come in and step in, and and you see all of a sudden you see how bright your future can be, and that's that's got to be you know somebody that's young that obviously you're going to have some bumps and bruises, but but uh, but I saw you know see watching some of his some of his plate, he had a different a definite different presence back there than than uh, than Cooper Lega. Mm. Well, uh, the game of the night last night, Colorado was, I mean, they were dead. They were done. Down 11 late. Dallin Holker with a beautiful catch. Former Cougar sneaks into the end zone. It's uh, 28 to 17. Shadur Sanders is doing everything he can, but uh, Colorado State's just bullying that team. And they go down, they kick a field goal. Colorado State decides not to go for it on a fourth and two. Beautiful punt, pins him at the two-yard line. Shadur Sanders has just over two minutes to go the length of the field, needs a touchdown, needs a two-point conversion. And Lloyd, he does just that. He leads him right down the field. They get the touchdown, the two-point conversion, double overtime. Not a fan of the call, although it's the right call. I mean, letter of the law, I get it, but it backs Colorado State up. They're unable to get the touchdown to send it to a triple overtime. And Colorado pulls off the miracle as the uh, dream season for Deion Sanders continues on. And it wasn't without a lot of, a lot of heart and a lot or without a lot of heartburn in this one. They, and, and props to Colorado state. They fought like crazy, but at the end it was coach prime getting his, getting his W. Well, I just want to see the on-field camera of those two meeting in the middle of the field. I saw later in the evening yesterday, 
that he told the camera crews, get yourself ready for this handshake. So have you seen or heard anything? I'll have to jump on. I watched it. It seemed... It did. I mean, it was. It didn't seem overly confrontational. It was funny because Shadur. I don't know if he wanted to get camera time or what, because he was right there. He made his way next to Dion as he went to coach Norvell, and Norvell reached in. It looked like Norvell was doing more talking than Dion was, and but overall, it did, I I don't know, Lloyd. Did you watch it? It didn't seem overly confrontational to me. Yeah. And I think the way yeah, the game no, played out, so. had it been a 62-3 to game like we all thought it was going to be, it might have taken on a different tone. But I think deep down, Dion knew they may have gotten away with one, so he was a little bit more conciliatory yeah. than, than he would have been otherwise. I'll tell you what, Colorado State, they, uh, they that team, they put, they had a lot of heart in that game. And it's not to say Colorado didn't either, but they were there was something extra with every one of their hits. I mean, you saw that that hit on 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 Travis Hunter that was you know that was one of those shots that was put on him. And he by the way he ended up having to go to the hospital. Not not sure what his status is, but it was one of those shots where it was just a. Sure, it was a little bit, you know, maybe it was a little bit late, but you, you, it was one of those shots to say to let them let him know, hey, I'm going to be here all night long, and you better have your head on a swivel because I'm going to put a pop on you, and and that's exactly what Colorado, Colorado State was extremely physical in that game. Yeah, like they were, I felt like they were the more the more physical team. Uh, they were until they kind of called the dogs off. They didn't blitz as much. They didn't try to get after Shador. They let him sit in the pocket, especially on that long drive. And man, you know, and Scotty, what does the prevent? What does the prevent uh, prevent you from doing? Getting a W. And uh, right, but I tell you what, though, man, Shador Sanders, like you want to not like the kid, which isn't fair. I mean, you shouldn't say that, but like deep down, I think a lot of us are kind of rooting against Colorado because they put themselves out there. But I'm telling you, man, this kid is just phenomenal. And he took nasty yep. hits. That shot he took from Kamara that they threw the flag on, yeah. when he pile-drived him into the ground and just, I mean, just put him right on top of his shoulder. I'm thinking that sucker's separated. And he gets up and says, all right, let's go. And it's just like, wow. Ice in his veins. This kid is tough. He's got ice in his veins. He is. He's the real deal. And he's... As you know, Hans, you talk to him. I mean, the dude's arrogant, but he he backs it up, and good for him. And there's a difference between a Colorado State defense and, like, say, uh, a Utah defense. And I'm and there's other you know there's other defenses in the in the Pac-12. I'm I'm eager to see you know like Oregon State. Uh, do they have do they have Oregon State? Now, I, mean, I don't even remember. Anyways, yes. but they do have Oregon State, right? Lloyd, I'm looking at it. They've already no, played no, them twice. Utah. No, I'm just joking. Not. <laughs> Not Utah, no Colorado. Oh, I don't. Anyways, they're, they're just the. I'm just pointing pointing out there's a better defense that's going to be out there that it's not going to be quite that. Uh, easy. They do not. Oh yeah, they do. November fourth, they've got Oregon State at home. Do they? Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yep. I'm glad they don't play in three times. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for us, gentlemen. Enjoy your Sunday. Hands get home safe. Uh. I, I got a question though. You sent out the video about the barbecue. Ribs look pretty good, but what really stood out to me was that beef rib. How was the beef rib? Best thing I've ever had in my life. Yeah, nothing beats a good beef rib. That's for sure. It looked Steve fantastic. Rubel feed that to you, <laughs> Aunt Lloyd. What are you doing? 
No, what? Hit the car crash, Scotty. No. Here you go. Whatever. You want another? No. That's ten more. So I'm gonna go back. To, I'm gonna go back to bed. Let's wrap this thing. <laughs> uh, no, that beef rib looked great. Um, did you eat all of that, or was that shared among the the crew? I ate it. Oh, a car crash on that, Scotty. No, that's legit. That's, that's a... <laughs> We're all still punchy. All right. That was a long game. Well, sounds good, gentlemen. We'll uh, we'll kick off the show tomorrow at noon. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, Lloyd Cole. It's your morning after podcast. Uh, we do ask that you not only listen, and thank you for listening if you made it this far. Uh, second of all, we ask that you tell a friend. Um, and then third, um, whether you're using iTunes, Spotify, whatever, please subscribe, leave a rating, um, maybe, uh, even a comment as long as it's nice. Cause you know, we're sensitive about that stuff. So, uh, we would appreciate all the support you can because it helps keep us employed. It's the morning after podcast hand Scotty and Lloyd. This is 97.5, the KSL sports zone.